listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome to this week's edition of America's Voice for Energy. I'm pleased to have back with us as our first guest today, Christine Lakatis, who is the author of The Green Corruption File. And she and I have worked together on many issues. And last week when I was in California visiting my mother, she and I had the opportunity to meet face-to-face, which we have not done in many years. And she laid out to me the story that became this week's column. So, Christine, I appreciate you being with us. And, and tell us, how did you get involved in this cook stove story? Oh, hi, Marina. Uh, it's nice to be back again. Yeah, Thanks. It's interesting because back a, a year ago in April, I had uh, was snooping around the Clinton Foundation and, uh, you know, just kind of like looking around and found out that the same, what I call Obama green cronies are Hillary's green cronies. They, uh, people like Tom Steyer and uh, Kleiner Perkins and, uh, you know, all these big names, Energy Energy. And so when I was snooping around the State Department to see, well, you know, the Clinton Foundation, so I wonder what Hillary's doing or if anything, because at the State Department it's happening in green energy. And I found this, <laughs> this project, and I'm like, clean cookstoves. I'm like, well, that's interesting. And I noticed that it was announced at the Clinton Foundation. Um, and, and it was started with $50 million. So I said, well, okay, they're using taxpayer money, the Clinton Foundation. This smells funny. But I only uh, put um, like a highlight about it because I had much more to cover in that particular blog, which is called Back to the Future. And it was basically more about energy, energy and their connection and how energy, energy won like $3 billion worth of stimulus loans. And I was like kind of going that direction. But then I found that. And so I left it alone, and lo and behold, the uh, Daily Signal, uh, I forget his name, David, uh, you know. David Kreitzer, and he's our next guest. Oh, perfect. He's, so I saw this article in, in February of the green goal that is prolonging people to poverty or something like that. Uh, uh-huh. Green energy goal is condemning many to pro- prolong poverty. I'm like, well, oh, that's interesting. And I look at this article, and it's about the cook cook stoves. <laughs> and so you were like, ding, ding, ding. Uh, for most people, we would have probably just overlooked this whole cook stove thing. But because you had kind of identified it a year ago, it was, it was kind of on your radar? Exactly. And so then um, I'm like, wow. And I said, well, you know what? You know, I'm, I'm only doing this blogging stuff. You know, you know, every so often now, and I said, you know, this sounds like a really simple piece to do. So I'm just, <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm just going to devote, you know, a couple weeks to it because, as you know, Marita, we worked together for two uh, over two years, and one piece, one research piece, would take six weeks, sometimes two months. Yeah, and we're talking full full time. And, and you put a day. huge amount of effort into this for sure. Well, yeah, it didn't start that way. I said, oh, this would be real simple. Everyone's complaining that my, my blogs are too long. I said, you know, I'll make the people happy, and I'll still be relevant, and all that kind of stuff. And as I kept digging, 
I'm like, no way. And I kept digging, no way. Oh, my gosh, she broke. She could have break, broken the law here. Then I found the Washington Post article. Oh, then I found out she's the honorary chair. She's Now she's on the cook stove board. It's called the Alliance. Now she's the, the head of their board, honorary board. Then I found out the UN Foundation is involved. <clears throat> I found out Lisa Jackson was involved initially. And I'm like, no, this can't be happening. So then another week went by, I did more digging. Another week, by, and I just kept going on and on. And then, as you know, the UN Foundation is Turner Broadcasting, Ted Turner. And uh, they donated to the Clinton Foundation. So did Turner Broadcasting. So did the UN Foundation, because it's being led by the UN Foundation. And so I kept uncovering more dirt, more dirt, more dirt. And then, lo and behold, I found out that Secretary of State Kerry and uh, what's her name, uh, the head of EPA, McCarthy. Gina McCarthy. Gina McCarthy. Gina McCarthy. She's on the board now of the alliance. And they're giving, they, they went from $50 million to now they're at $114 million with $225 million obligated. So that means when it's all said and done so far, because they keep up in the ante, it's going to be $339 million. But and, of course, money. that's taxpayer money. Yes. And it's free. It's grants. It's not like loans. Or there are other and that, that's just the U.S. commitment. That's not the commitment uh, from other countries. This is our U.S. commitment you're talking about. Exactly. And remember, we already give the U.N. Foundation, not U.N. Foundation, but the U.N. money, $7 billion, I think I saw in one report by Fox News, not specifically for green energy, but we do spend a lot of money. And, and they're... They frame this in the sense that it's to help reduce. You have a whole different avenue that you researched into after we, we had our meeting, the, the failure aspect and the, how it all works. I techno, Technologically, I couldn't go there because I was just following the money and the people. Right. And what I, what I found is... Well, and of course, uh, that's why in my column I link to your report because I hope people will go there uh you know, for more for more information. You know, I write on energy issues, and so I, I kind of capitalized on the idea that many experts said that the better choice would be to, uh, to that what these people really want, the people in the developing world really want, is natural gas and electricity. And uh, and so I kind of went that direction. But you were following the money, so go ahead. Yeah, so, so then I found that we're supporting this effort, which you, which you figured out, and so did uh, uh, David in, through that Daily Caller piece, is that it's not helping. And they're supposed to be helping these women that, that cook a certain way and help them not smoke up their homes. And, and so they, they frame it in the context of climate change. You know, we're going to help reduce climate change. Well, apparently mm-hmm. it's not working. So, but we, the point is we already give billions of dollars to climate change around the world, not to mention the $250 billion we spend here on clean energy, um, you know, programs and initiatives and all that kind of thing. So now we're helping people combat climate change, which, you know, that's debatable in itself. But we're, right. So why are we giving another $300 million to the alliance? Which when is they're, connected they're, with the Clinton Foundation. Yes. She announced it at the Clinton Foundation and on September 21st, 2010. That was the launch date at the Clinton Foundation. We found emails where she was discussing it beforehand, having you know, through, trying to get soliciting for money, soliciting for membership for this alliance. She was, you know, already on it way before 
you know, she launched it at the Clinton Foundation, which is a Clinton, Clinton Global Initiative, but it's a Clinton Foundation program, the initiative. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it gets okay. complicated to follow. Yeah, and then and then I, I as all as all of these green energy projects are, you, they're very convoluted. Yeah, there's always three parts. There's the collusion, there's the cronies, and there's the cash. It's always that way, Maria. Every time we look at one of these, there's always those three parts. And so we have Hillary. Nice alliteration. <laughs> like three C's. We have Hillary as Secretary of State. Uh, soliciting countries like Norway, which you wrote in your piece and I wrote in mine, that was a Clinton Foundation donor. So she's reaching out to already known Clinton Foundation donors. Oh, we have another project for you, by the way, you know, this alliance. And, I mean, how is that even legal? You know, that's the question. Or Definitely, maybe it's not legal, but it's highly unethical. And then we found the Washington Examiner piece with uh, Kathleen, I forget her last name as well, uh, you know, explaining that there's certain codes yes. that she may may have broken, but we don't know. But then I found another article saying that uh, when they first announced it, it was at the Clinton, at the Alliance website, that Lisa Jackson was there. She was saying, oh, well, this is, a, you know, social justice, environmental justice, all that kind of stuff. And then what Hillary you Using said, all the typical uh, left-wing green verbiage. Exactly. So I think they were trying to frame it, and I don't know, again, I kept digging and digging and digging. I don't know who the creator was, although Hillary's given credit for the birth of it through the CEO of the alliance. And then we don't know when it was actually officially incorporated, not incorporated, but created. Because she, long ago, she was way before the, you know, weeks before the Clinton Foundation meeting on September 21st, 2010, that's when she was soliciting through her of course, private email with their homegrown server. And tell, tell our listeners about what you found out about the India program. Um, I was able to put in my column, because of you mentioning it, I was able to put in just one line about it yeah. um, uh, with a link. But, but tell, explain uh, for our listeners what that, that is. Well, for some time, it was a really lengthy piece in, in a magazine called the Caravan Magazine. I never heard of it. But in my research, I stumbled across this. This is like 10, 12 pages. And so I actually sat down and read this. I'm like, I want to know what's going on here. So India, the government of India, had been looking for a cook stove solution for this same problem that Hillary is trying to wipe off the planet and on top of saving the planet while they're at it. So, right. So they were the Indian government, and they had started an alliance and they start an initiative, which is what Hillary's calling this, an initiative, the Glean, uh, Alliance Initiative. And so it's basically the history of how it went from the 70s to the 80s and how they've been trying to figure this out for a long time. And theirs was announced in the summer of 2010, this biomass. I don't know the name of it. It's in my article off the top of my head. Yeah. But they were announced, yeah, the biomass initiative for cook stoves. And... Uh, and so basically they were announced at the same time, well, right before Hillary's in the summer of 2010. Well, Hillary's came out in September 20. Nobody so knew it kind of seems like they copied. They could have copied, but they definitely, in this article, they specifically say, say that Hillary stole the funder out of the India's idea. 
and that they refused to join at the time because Hillary gave it a D.C. home. So and kind of made it political. In, yes. So they are located in Washington, D.C. So there was like whole drama around there. Now, I don't know the ins and outs of it, but this is what this article said. But, you know, like you said, it, it just adds to the whole questionable quality of this whole thing. And, Christine, we've got less than a minute left, How Time Flies. Um, what else do you want to be sure we cover besides your blog address? Uh, just basically that, you know, if somebody's out there and a couple of you I sent it to that may be looking at it, that I hope that somebody, you know, takes the ball on this. Because I think not this could have been illegal, which she did, although they may have uh, surrounded it under Obama's foreign policy. Okay, cook stove under Obama's, you know, so no wonder we can't beat ISIS because we're focused on cook stove. Yeah, well, it's one of the things I thought it, that I've been saying on radio interviews this week is that this was a top priority for her, and it's like, well, no wonder we're not beating ISIS. ISIS should have been a top priority, not cook stoves. Yeah, and in the, in the federal regulations, she could have broken them, maybe not in the sense that she endorsed it, but she also, I said in my, my article, endorsing is one thing, but she was out soliciting money and members on behalf of the alliance, which is it's, we are in partners with the alliance as a U.S. government. But what, what, why is it our job? And why are we giving money to them who we already give the U.N. money? So, I mean, I think the whole slimy business behind it at, uh, and the cash, this has to stop. Yeah, we're out, of, we're out of time. We've been talking with Christine Lakatus, who is the author of The Green Corruption File. I'd encourage you to do a search. Just search Green Corruption File, and you'll find the huge body of work on uh, green energy crony corruption that she has done. Thanks for joining us once again today, Christine. Thank you, Marita. Talk soon. Great. We'll be right back. It's not just your garden. It's the way you live. And there's so much to know. But you have help. Bonnie Plants. Now with Bonnie's app, Homegrown, you can learn about veggie and herb varieties, track and record your garden with photos and notes, share on Facebook and Twitter, and so much more. How'd you ever grow without it? Get Homegrown with Bonnie Plants for iPhone and Android. The more you know, the better you can grow with Bonnie. Quick Stakes. That's Q-U-I-K steaks are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quicksteak.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of quick steaks. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's quick steaks, Q-U-I-K steaks, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. This week we're discussing my column, The Developing World Wants Natural Gas and Electricity. Hillary Clinton gives them cook stoves. Now, when I was first introduced to this topic by Christine, as we talked about in the last segment, I right away thought of our next guest because he's one of my mentors, but he's written exclusively, or not exclusively, excuse me, extensively on this topic. Paul Dreesen is the author of Echo Imperialism, Green Power, Black Death. 
He also serves as a senior policy advisor with CFACT, which stands for the Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow, and CORE, which is the Congress on Racial Equality. And as I said, Paul has been one of my very early mentors, and much of you know what I've become in this industry, in this uh, energy space today, can be attributed to, to Paul Dreesen. So, Paul, once again, I'm honored to have you with me on America's Voice for Energy. Well, thanks for that very kind introduction and for having me back. It's always wonderful to join you on a show. Well, as I said, when I came up, when I started working on this topic, I thought, you know, I've got to have Paul uh, on with me because this is a topic that I know is near and dear to your heart. As I did my research on these top on this topic of um, the the cook stoves, which are really more like a hibachi grill, that the Global Alliance for Clean Cook Stoves, headed up by Hillary Clinton and run through the Clinton Foundation, what they're sending is not what you think of when you think of cook stoves. They're really more like a hibachi grill, and my research shows that, in fact, they actually, in many cases, burn more wood than just than what um, the people in the developing world are using and are and are less efficient. And uh, but this is what we're providing people when what they really want is is cheap energy. Well, they want cheap energy. They want abundant, reliable, affordable, readily available energy in the form of electricity and natural gas stove or something along those lines. They don't want to just keep burning dung and uh, wood and grass in a cook stove or an open fire. Uh, they love their tandoori ovens, but these cook stoves aren't nearly as efficient as tandoori ovens, and a lot of the Africans are still using basic open fires, so this is a minimal improvement over that, and yet they seem to break a lot. But the bottom line is, the same people that are pushing these cook stoves and making all these uh, efforts to recruit Hollywood celebrities and political uh, uh, people and government agencies to funnel money into this and some of it into the Clinton Foundation, apparently. Uh, they are the same people that are in league with the World Bank, the UN, the green pieces of the world to attack the notion that we should be building coal and gas-fired power plants in any of these countries to provide reliable, affordable electricity to people and homes and new industries that could get off on a tremendous start if they actually just had reliable, affordable electricity. Yeah, and, you know, in my research I found you mentioned the World Bank. Um, the World Bank has, has recently... Uh, announced they will not fund any coal-fired power plants. So they're taking away that potential opportunity from, from these people who want that abundant and available energy. Yeah, it's, it's like we want to improve the living standards for uh, impoverished families in these third world countries, but we don't want 
want to improve them too much. President Obama was in South Africa a couple of years ago, and he got up in front of hundreds of students and told them, if every one of you has got a car and every one of you has got a house, the planet's going to boil over. So he says, skip this fossil fuel stuff. That's bad for the environment. It's bad for you. And just leapfrog that and go with wind and solar and biofuels as though that's leapfrogging anything. The best thing out there is coal and oil and natural gas and nuclear power and even hydroelectric and the environmentalists and the Obama administration, the World Bank, the UN, the EU, they're all against these things. Uh, and at the same time, they want to bring the living standards of modern developed countries down a few pegs, get them closer to some midpoint between impoverished African nations and modern United States living standards. Uh, Kofi Annan has gone so far as to say that we should eliminate red meat in our diets and lower our living standards, and instead of dining on red meat, we should dine on insects. He says a couple of a couple billion people around the planet are happily uh, gorging themselves on locusts and moths and other insects, and we could do the same, and it would be much more much more efficient than trying to convert grass into beef and then eating beef. Yeah, it's shocking, isn't it? What 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 their real goals are when when you look into this and see, you know, what what if we went with their plans, what we would re- where we would really be. Exactly, and it's all based on two completely bogus notions. Number one, that we're running out of all these fossil fuels, which now they know that doesn't fly since fracking has opened up a couple centuries of additional oil and natural gas. Uh, And then secondly, of course, is the big boogaboo, which is climate change, dangerous man-made climate change, as though increasing the planet's average daily temperature by less than one more degree is going to be catastrophic. They're telling us that the one degree increase since the little ice age ended and the industrial era began is dangerous enough, but if we go up another half a degree Celsius or eight-tenths of a degree Fahrenheit, this will be a total unmitigated disaster for the planet. I absolutely do not understand how that is possible. A little more warming would certainly improve things, and especially if there's more carbon dioxide in the air to fertilize plants. But the idea that a one-degree increase in average planetary temperatures is going to be catastrophic is just absolutely absurd, and the notion that human beings are causing this one-degree increase is equally absurd. But on the basis of all that, you've got a $1.5 trillion uh, renewable energy and climate change industry out there. They don't want to give up that $1.5 trillion a year, and that's why we're having these fights right now. Yeah, certainly when I wrote, I wrote a column a few weeks ago uh, on the energy plans of our candidates, the, the remaining five candidates that we have running for office, two on the Democrat side, three on the Republican side, and um, in my column, I, I kind of outlined just what you're saying, which is before we talk about energy policy, you have to talk about climate change because the the policies of 
Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton and President Obama are all based on the belief in uh, catastrophic climate change, uh, where the Republican policies of the three remaining candidates, and probably most of the others as well, uh, is, does, is not based on that. It's based on economics, what works, what will help people, uh, and so forth. And so you're totally right that you, well, you've got to look at that particular topic. Now, when I was doing my research for that, one of the things that I found very interesting, uh, and I'm sure you're familiar with this, Paul, and can address this, is that it's kind of, they keep moving the goalposts. Back in 2012, I believe it was, and I wasn't prepared to talk about this, so I don't have it in front of me, but um, I believe it was 2012. What, what conference was, was it Doha that was 2012? Um, anyway, whichever one it was, give you a moment to think about that, they said, this is the last opportunity we have to stop the planet from, you know, catastrophic warming. Then the next conference, this is the last time we have. And, uh, you know, not, none of their policies, well, I shouldn't say none, but they, they've not been universally adopted, and yet they keep trying and trying on this last opportunity. Uh, uh, you found that as well, I assume. Yeah, absolutely. And to bring it even a little more current, it was just a year ago when the danger was if the planet warms two degrees since the end, since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, which for them happily coincides with the end of the Little Ice Age. If the planet warms two degrees from 1850 onward, that's going to be a disaster. And then just before Paris last year, the Paris Treaty Agreements that they were trying to hammer out, all of a sudden... Right. It wasn't two degrees. All of a sudden, it was one and a half degrees. So we can only go another half degree Celsius warmer than it is now. Uh, it's, a, it's ridiculous, but this is what they're using to hold back economic development in the entire world. Europe, the United States, and I was just reading something this morning that Europe's climate policies are costing 40,000 lives per year of people who can no longer afford to, buy, to pay their electric bills and are freezing to death, essentially hypothermic, in cold winter months in Europe. So over there, you've got 40,000 people a year in... in uh, and, and this is the developed world. This is the developed world. The developed world, yeah, yeah. This is developed world, and in Britain, it's another twenty thousand a year that they estimate are dying from uh, hypothermia during the winter because they cannot afford their electricity. And then in the poor countries, the uh, third world, the really truly developing countries, they're losing about two million people a year to respiratory diseases linked to using wood and animal dung and grass and open fires. And on top of that, there's another couple million who are dying from dysentery because they can't get clean drinking water. Uh, and then there are all the other diseases that go along with poverty or that cause poverty to some extent, uh, like malaria, where people are too sick to work for months on end. So we are using these environmentalist claims to 
phony claims to drive all kinds of policies that keep billions of people impoverished and dying prematurely. And even the Pope has gotten on their bandwagon, which I find frightening and disgusting, basically, because here he is, the supposed, he's supposed to be the man of God and very concerned about the welfare of people all over the world, and yet he's put himself in league with these folks that want to hold the development back on the uh, claims of climate change and resource depletion so that more and more people are dying every year. It doesn't make any yeah. sense to me. It's shocking. We've got about 30 seconds left, Paul. appreciate your insights. You want to give us on, on your book, because I think it ties in here perfectly, Echo Imperialism, Green Power, Black Death. That, that's what you're talking about, isn't it? It is. Uh, this is. I wrote this book uh, 12 years ago and uh, updated it a couple of times. It's just come out in Spanish with a, some additional updates from Argentina. And it, what it told uh, 10, 15 years ago is still 100% accurate today. The same people, the same policies, the same death tolls, the same low, low living standards because of these policies. It's intolerable, and we really need to tackle this and haul these people out, uh, make sure that they are held accountable for the death tolls they're imposing on people. Yeah. Stop, shocking stuff. I appreciate you taking your time to be with us today. Paul Dreesen, who is Senior Policy Advisor for both CFACT, Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow, and CORE, the Congress on Racial Equality, and the author of Echo Imperialism, Green Power, Black Death. Thanks for joining us again on America's Voice for Energy. We'll be right back. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. With all the back and forth in today's politics, it seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is Dr. George. Join me Wednesday mornings at 9 o'clock for Medicine on Call. Learn strategies to protect you and your family in the age of Obamacare. Did you miss the show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Voice for Energy. We're having an interesting discussion today on a topic that probably none of you thought of until hearing this broadcast, and that is cook stoves 
for the developing world. As you know, I wrote my column this week on this topic, and you can find it on Breitbart.com, AmericanSpectator.com, and townhall.com, just to name a few of the places where you can find it. Each week on Tuesday morning, I send my column out to a distribution list, people who have signed up for, to receive my weekly column, usually people I've met at a conference somewhere, and I send it out every Tuesday morning to a list of more than 5,000 people. If you're listening today and you're not on that list, I encourage you to go to energymakesamericagreat.org, and on the bottom right-hand side of the homepage, you'll find a subscribe link so that you don't miss out. But our next guest is one of the people that's on that distribution list who receives my weekly column via email. And he came back to me and said, I'm so glad you're working on this topic because I experienced something very much like this on a mission trip to Mexico. So I invited Ray Smith, who's in the oil and gas industry himself, to be our guest today to tell us his personal experience with this topic. So, Ray, thanks for taking time out of your day to join us on America's Voice for Energy. We're glad to have you with us. Glad to be here. So, as I said, you reached out to me and kind of gave me your story via email, and, and as a result, I invited you to join us. So, share with our listeners kind of what your experience with this topic is, if you would, please. Well, I've been to the state of Chiapas, which is the southernmost state of Mexico, and there's a lot of cross-border uh, movement there because uh, Guatemala's had civil wars and stuff like that. So the uh, uh, indigenous people have kind of moved back and forth across that border depending on the conditions they've encountered. And uh, so w where we were is not that far from that border, and uh, and what's happening is they have been a highly persecuted group of, uh, in the in the social strata of Mexico. Uh, those people are the lowest strata out of about nine stratas, and uh, they're beautiful people. They're little short people, and they're just they, 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 the women wear these exquisitely uh, woven tribal. Uh, outfits, that, so it's just fun to be with them in those places, even though you know they live an extremely hard life. But what we noticed right off the bat was they were displaced from where they lived, and they had to go gather wood to cook with, which in their case was a very long distance, and the, that would felt to the women to do that. So you'd see them with these packs of wood on their back, and they'd be this little short woman with uh, perhaps 40 or 50 pounds of wood strapped over over her shoulder on her back. And so I asked the missionary, I said, what What are they doing? He says, they have to go gather wood, and, the, and, the, and their, the place they gather is a very long way away. So they have to walk for miles with this wood, and this is a kind of a, a task they have to do, you know, more than one time per week. And I, and I looked around, and I said, there's got to be a better way. So we, um, I said, I said, what about, what about providing them with some way to cook? And he said, well, there's no, uh, there's no, there's no natural gas, but there is propane. So mm -hmm. the city we that we were in was San, San Cristobal de los Casas. Ru roughly, so, roughly, so I understand how far was this city from where uh, this village or community was that you were you were 
uh, concerned for? From the from the base where we were in San Cristobal, it was about probably twenty miles. Um, so, okay. Uh, and, Certainly, and a from, distance that these people could not could not travel. Well, if everything is on foot, I mean, it, right. you might, in the whole in a whole village, you might have two people that might have a, actually a vehicle. So there's no. Do they have Do so, they have burrows or something like that? You do see burrows, uh, but really they have these what we call. Uh, country taxis, and it's a pickup truck with a cover on it, so if they're going to town, they'll catch one of those, but in uh-huh. this wood gathering thing, you never see them with that. They just go walk and walk and walk and go and gather the wood, so it kind of makes you sad because you kind of, you know, they're, 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 they're having to do stuff that's hard for them to just survive because of that, so. Yes. Our, our solution was quite simple. After reading your article, it, it just popped in my head. I said, well, my goodness, this will be easier. And our solution was to go to this town, uh, uh, San Cristobal, which is you know, a town of about you know, 100,000, go to the hardware store and price out uh, at retail uh, a little, a little two-burner propane burner thing with a, with a, with a tank. And the, mm-hmm. and the valves and, and the valves and the hoses to hook them up and and we price those out if I remember it's a little over a hundred dollars and I said I said well how many people are displaced in this village that have moved to Teopisca and they says well there's twelve families I said well Ron let me get back home and let me just see if 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 any of my friends would give in to that. So every single person that I said anything to said, I'll buy one or more. So I didn't mm-hmm. get to talk to, I probably talked to two or three people. I probably donated a couple of them myself. And I was just like, it was so easy because, you know, you're giving into something that had an immediate benefit. Yeah. So, and their, their feeling was it didn't, the propane is, they could get the propane delivered locally or now there's even, since then, and this is as of when, when I, after I talked to the missionary, they can can get their pro, propane tanks filled. Uh, and in Ray, the let me chime in here for just a second because you said after you talked to the missionary, uh, I know what you're talking about because you and I talked off the air. But for our listeners, you had an update. Let me let me back up a second. Your original effort on this was how many years ago? Oh, probably 20 years. Okay, and the same missionary is still there, and you communicated with him last night to get an update, correct? That's correct. We're friends. Okay, and, uh, all right. And so I called him last night. I just wanted to get an update, and he says those, they still use those. He says, by the way, they still cook with an open fire to some degree, but only a little bit. And what they do is they like to cook their, their tortillas on an open, open thing, and they, they have these little metal rack things that you can buy from the same hardware store probably, or the mm-hmm. ones they like the most are made out of clay, like a brick oven, or for mm-hmm. a piece of big brick oven. So they, mm-hmm. they still cook two ways just because they prefer to cook their tortillas that way. But the rest of their cooking they do, and their pots and all, they do that with, uh, with the propane. And they actually use so the tw- propane. These stoves that you bought 20 years ago are still in use today? They are. And that's very different from what I found um, in my research on this Clinton program for cookstoves, that most of them are only even, they're only even designed to last for, for a few years. And after two years, my research found only 20% of them were still in use. So 
the fact that what you the little pro, the little project you were involved in uh, is still in in still working twenty years later is quite dramatic. Right. Well, how do you wear a burner out? <laughs> They're made out of cast iron. Yeah. <laughs> when you, when your hot water t- gas hot water tank that has a similar burner on it, when when your tank wears out, your burner is still every just like brand new almost. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead and tell us what your what the your missionary Ron told you last night about the project. Uh, what he told me is that. Um, since that time, the Mexican government has come up with a program that's very similar to uh, what we did, and they have actually funded, because what they're trying to do is they're trying to keep them from that slash-and-burn world of cutting, just cutting indiscriminately forest down uh, mm-hmm. for firewood. And so they went in and bought uh, quite a few of these systems for the indigenous peoples down there. And uh, the program worked about half and half, he said. Some of them uh, in very remote areas just wouldn't change. They they live so off the grid. In fact, Mm -hmm. there are villages where there's no power at all and no road going to the villages. And so though in those cases, the system didn't work because they were just too far remote. They were too remote. But in, in, the, in, in about half the cases, it did work. And so um, uh, it, what we're seeing is that, it, that there is, the Mexican government has made some effort to improve the situation down there. And let's just put it this way. They've been 50% successful at least. Mm-hmm. And that's just word experience from from my missionary who's been down there all these years. Yeah, so. you know, and I want to chime in with you mentioned about that they're trying to um, stop kind of the slash and burn element of them going out and and stripping the hillsides. When I first got involved in this line of work that I'm in now, which has now been almost ten years ago, one of the things that was influential to me was watching a movie uh, called Mine Your Own Business. And it was really about mining. Um, But what they showed is how uh, the environmental movement was really blocking progress in these remote uh, communities. And it told a story of three different locations, but one of them, I believe, and I may have this slightly off here, but I believe it was like Madagascar or somewhere like that. That's what Uh comes to my mind. And they showed just what you're describing, that the locals uh, that were going into the hillsides to get to forage for fuel and uh, coming back with sticks on their back, and as a result... um, the, the trees never grew to maturity because as soon as there was anything that you could, you know, burn, as soon as, as they'd cut it down, and that the hillsides were stripped. And so in, in not allowing these uh, people, because the, so the, what I recall from this movie was they showed how the wealthy environmental people who came in on their yachts and, and supposedly were working to help these people would say, oh, no, we don't want to change their lives because that would, you know, this is their culture, this is so forth. And as a result, the, it was really less environmentally friendly. Doing what you're talking about, giving them cook stoves with propane tanks, would have been a far better choice for the environment because they wouldn't be stripping the hillsides. And so, you know, when you mentioned the, the Mexican government coming in with that, uh, it struck me 
uh, reminded me of that particular film. And by the way, that film is, was produced by the same people that have done the movie Fract Nation, which is Anne McElhaney and Phelan, um Oh, Drad, I'm drawing a blank on his name. But anyway, we've just got about a minute left, Ray. So, so your, your friend, the missionary Ron there, he told you, though, that the people that you had originally worked with, those communities, uh, that the, the cook stoves had made a difference in their lives. Oh, a great difference in their lives because it, it, it just made it so easy. And they literally don't gather wood at all anymore. All the wood that they're using is literally wood that's sold commercially. They'll buy wood just like we would buy charcoal uh-huh. uh, to, cook, uh, to cook out and outside. They just like to cook the tortillas out in the sure. open like that. That's just Like the way we they, like to barbecue a hamburger. We prefer a exactly. barbecue hamburger to one cooked on a frying pan. Yeah, so they're they're uh, they're. It, it, you might you might say we help those people in that it took it just took this burden off of these women, and uh, and now as a result of that they're they're just blessed. They have more time available, and they're not having to go far and wide to to do something that really could, was so easily replaced with propane. Yeah. Well, we're out of time, but Ray Smith, I really appreciate you sharing your personal experience and the firsthand story of how propane, or which is you know natural gas byproduct, how that can be so helpful uh, for for those living in these types of communities. Thanks for joining us today on America's Voice for Energy, and we'll be right back. You're welcome. Whether cruising the strip in a '57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Watchdog is a term given an organization like the United States Justice Foundation, which since 1979 has been watching out and, when necessary, taking the appropriate action from testifying to litigating to protect our constitutional rights. USJF, a nonprofit organization, is nationally recognized not only as a watchdog, but many in the government, as well as those involved in legal cases, have also called the USJF a bulldog for the tenacious approach in their presentation and proof of what is right. Find out more at www.usjf.net. Support USJF as they support you. With all the back and forth in today's politics, It seems as though the Constitution gets lost in the mix. If you want to brush up on your Constitution, then join Michael Conley every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. for the show Our Constitution on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. Welcome to our closing segment of America's Voice for Energy. We've had a good conversation today talking with a variety of guests about cook stoves and poverty and uh, how energy can bring people out of poverty, particularly in the developing world. And now for our final segment, we're going to talk with David Kreitzer, who is a senior fellow with the Heritage Foundation. And uh, we're glad to have you back with us once again on America's Voice for Energy, David. Well, thanks for having me on. And I think I got your title wrong, didn't I? Oh, is, no, a senior research fellow, I think. Senior uh, I research fellow. That. What's your whole long title that has climate and the <laughs> yeah, environment? The the, it'll take us to the end of the segment. Se- uh, senior hey. research fellow in energy economics and climate change. 
Yeah, that's the long title. Okay, well, I appreciate you sharing that with us, and we still have a few minutes left, surprisingly. So, you know, I quoted you in my column because you wrote a blog post for the Heritage Foundation last month where you were talking about um, Hillary's uh, plan for these clean cook stoves. And um, particularly what I want to talk to you about, uh, though we can kind of go where you want, but particularly I want to talk to you about is, you know, why that's not the solution uh, to bring uh, these people in the developing world out of poverty. What, what do you say to that? Well, what, what I say is it seems like we're, we're setting an awful low bar if our goal for these people is to have them burn half as much dung to cook their food. <laughs> <laughs> they, you know, they, certainly there is a huge amount of poverty, and, of course, we can't get them up to our standard of living, you know, in five years. But what we do see is some of the international organizations, such as the Inter-American Development Bank and the World Bank, that have stopped financing uh, coal-fired power plants. Now, for many parts of the world that don't have access to natural gas, um, the easily transportable coal is probably the best option for getting them affordable electricity. And, and, it, and it doesn't have to be the smoky old coal-fired power plants of the 1930s. Um, you know, we have modern technology that we could share with them. Um, but just to get them electricity that, that, that does more than cook their stove with half as much smoke, more than cook their meals with half as much smoke, more than provide them with one light bulb, but something that could actually provide them with a, a modern economy. That, that should be the goal. But this cook stove has sort of been a detour. Uh, and, and the reason is... Um, these groups have just totally bought into catastrophic climate change, that CO2 of any amount is horrible. And so they, they don't want to have uh, the same level of energy consumption in the developing world that we have in the United States. So they really want to uh, relegate them to kind of a subsistence existence. Now, I mean, of course, they really want us to come down in our quality of life as well. Right, but I, and I, and I, but I think it's... You know, it's less conscionable, it's unconscionable for us to impose it on them. You know, it's bad enough if, if we impose it on ourselves. But to impose it on, on people that have, um, you know, average income that's probably one-thirtieth of ours or something along those lines uh, seems immoral. And, that you know, this is certainly not the stated plan and probably not even the conscious plan of most of the people doing this, they just have this great fear. It's left over from the limits to growth stuff in the population bomb of the 70s. It's now worked into CO2. They have this great fear that if everybody has a high standard of living, it will be the end of the earth, which, you know, there are no trends pointing in that right now. You know, people think there are, you know, we, we don't have more hurricanes, we don't have more tornadoes, we don't have more floods, we don't have more droughts, in spite of people who know better saying that we do over and over. It's simply not true. So, you know, we, we, we should be helping these people get out of poverty, and you don't help them get out of poverty. And, and that should be the goal. That should be the number one goal is working That's, to get think, them out yeah, of poverty. If we're, if, we're, if, if we're going to be helping people, probably in many cases we probably help them more by not helping them. But to the extent that we help them, <laughs> we should help them get out of poverty. We should not help restrict their access to affordable energy. And, and the, the clean cook stove is kind of a nice idea, 
Um, economic study that came out said it achieves absolutely none of the goals. It doesn't lead to less energy use. It doesn't lead to healthier outcomes for the people that live in these houses, which was a, the main thing that they were looking to do. Um, you know, low birth weight babies, the same amount of them, doesn't change infant mortality, doesn't even change the number of people that report being sick in over a, the, you know, the previous month when they were interviewed. So it doesn't seem to meet any of the goals, but it is given a, an excuse to the World Bank and some other groups to say, well, we don't, you know, we're not going to fund uh, affordable electricity plants, but we're helping with, you know, these clean cook stoves. They don't need as many sticks to make dinner now. So. <laughs> you know, and some of the reports that I read said that it, that many of them actually, and I don't know who manufactures these these cook stoves, uh -huh. um, but one of the reports I read said they actually use more wood than I guess cooking over over an open pit. Yeah, I I, I don't know. They, you know, so I'm, there, there are a variety of different designs, and I'm I'm guessing that some of them are more efficient, but they they require some maintenance. Um, and, uh, the, again, this economic study that was published on the uh, I it was American Economic Review or the American, one of their sub-journals um, simply said, well, we, you know, when we actually looked at the data, when you left the people alone with the stoves and you, you then measure, you know, they can measure the amount of carbon monoxide in their, in their breath, um, they can, you know, how many times do they go to the doctor, all these things that are measurable, nothing, they didn't improve. Um, and they found that after three years, I think it was about a third of the uh, people that had been given or had purchased the stoves um, threw them out. They weren't worth the space they took up in the small house. Uh, yeah, and as we've looked, I, at, I pic exactly. as we've looked yeah. at pictures of them, as we've looked at pictures yeah. of them, the majority of them are are quite small. Uh, I, I liken it to the size of a single hibachi grill. Right, right, and and they may not have much more than that to begin with. But it's one that's, you know, there's sort of an arrogance to say, look, I'll design, you know, we have some engineer come up with this thing that'll be better than what has been developed over hundreds of years, if not thousands of years, um, that people have gotten used to. And they must have, they must have left out some of the features that people wanted because, you know, some of them like them. You know, they, they did surveys, do you like it, do you, how often do you use it, and so on. But then, like I said, there was an, a significant chunk that, didn't find them worth the maintenance or the effort or even the space on in, in the house, so they they had thrown them out. Yeah, so that's, that's what the research I I, I uh, found said about much of them, and that they break. And I found it interesting that the Global Alliance for Clean Cookstoves, their own right. website states that these stoves are only designed to last for for a few years. Uh, it, it's amazing <laughs> to me that. Yeah, it's they're all on their own website. There's a frequently asked questions option, and there's a, a a product that you can download from their website. It's not really clearly on the website, but it's a two-page piece uh -huh. from the Global Alliance for Clean Cookstoves, and where they list what are all the things that these cookstoves are going to solve, and they're going yeah. to help lot with livelihoods they're going to make cooking easier they're going to all these things and one of them is is climate change but in that document when you read to the second page it, it says that they only last uh, the implication is two or three years yeah you know you know but getting back to the to the bigger picture even, in my mind yeah. even if these stoves worked perfectly even if they lasted infinity it, it, it's taking our eyes off the ball 
you know, is, is, and it's giving an excuse. We, we see clearly there's been a movement away from allowing people who have subsistence standards of living to, to encourage them as much as, as much as possible to have economic growth. There are people that mm-hmm. are actually scared of economic growth. They think people are a cancer on the earth. And so it, how, how do you resolve that? You want to be nice to people, but you don't want them to consume a lot of stuff because you think that's horrible. So you dust your yeah. hands after you, you give them a, a cook stove, dust your hands and say you've done good, and move on and just ignore the continuing poverty after that point. That, that's what bothers me the most. It's this notion that these people should be happy with this lifestyle. And like, you know, those pictures we talk about, if you look at all of them, these people in, in, in living situations that nobody in the U.S. would be happy living in. I mean, you can tell they've staged no. all the pictures with people smiling and, in, you know, and it just, it, it, uh, and, and in, and in, it's, in it's colorful and immoral. clean costumes. Right, right, right. Like, look at these, these happy poor people. Um, now they now they have all they want: a clean cook stove. But and you know, I'm, and possibly I'm exaggerating a little bit. But I, you know, I've been to meetings with with some of these people in these international organizations, and there's just this undercurrent of we, you know, we they simply we can't allow the the other you know 6.7 billion people who aren't Americans to have our standard of living that it would it would be you know we we simply whatever it is we can't do that well i think we can do that and that we should do that and we we should encourage them to get out of poverty and not just a little bit out of poverty way out of poverty you know um, let let them let them have industry let them have all sorts of things and for that they're going to need affordable energy which you, you don't get from solar panels and you don't get from a clean cook stove yeah, that's the key thing. Paul Dreesen in our earlier segment uh, referenced, uh, and you're probably familiar with this, President Obama, I believe he was in South Africa when he said this, something like, well, if everybody had a car and everybody had air conditioning, uh, the planet would be on fire or something to that effect. Right, right, right exactly. How, how horrible would it be if everybody had what we had? You know, it's just... Yeah. I, it's it's again it's 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 immoral cloaked in this great moral crusade of you know stopping CO two, but yeah, anyway. we just got a minute or so left. Are, is there mm-hmm. a, are are there any organizations that you're aware of who are really working to bring the developing world um, affordable energy, abundant well, affordable energy? You know, I I don't I I, I hope there are. Um, you know, but I, I think it's, it's probably mostly, you know, the, the private sector that's trying to, to sell energy, you know. And so they're yeah. trying to do their best job they can to, to get coal. You know, we, we have, we have um, coal mines that are shutting down in the U.S. How much better would it be if we could ship some of the coal that we're not producing, we could produce it and ship it to somebody like Haiti or you know, places like that where they, they have almost no power. Um, yes, would, just, this, just this thing. morning. You mentioned Haiti just this morning. I was looking at the satellite pictures of the island of Espanola. I'd been told this uh-huh. before, and I'd never actually taken the time to look it up. And you can see the Dominican Republic side, which has propane at every house, ha- is green. And the Haiti yeah. side, which does not have uh, propane at every house, the hillsides are barren because, right. like like the people in the, in, uh, the story I wrote, they're foraging for fuel. And not only is it bad for them, but it's bad for the environment as well. And it's this is supposed to be something that's supposed to be good for the environment. Right.
right, right. No, no, no. Cook, cooking with sticks is bad for the. I mean, it leads to deforestation, and, uh, and yeah. tree, little trees get, they get taken down before they can be very big. And it's a, uh, and it's you know, you read the stories uh, that economic study, the number of hours that people spend getting the fuel, it's just phenomenal. You know, it's hours per day. Um, in, yeah. in many cases. Well, I appreciate you taking your time to share this with us, David Kreitzer from the Heritage Foundation. And um, thanks, for, thanks for joining me once again here on America's Voice for Energy and wrapping up a great show today. Okay, well, I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. My Have pleasure. And please, please join us again next week for America's Voice for Energy on AmericasWebRadio.com.